This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. More on the situation in our hospitals. Now, the latest modeling released this morning showed the number of patients with the disease in intensive care units in the province is expected to surpass the 300-bed benchmark in the next 10 days, and that has serious ramifications for all of us. So let's go to Dr. Kevin Smith, CEO of the University Health Network. Dr. Smith, hi, and thank you so much for taking the time. Hi, Libby. Pleasure to be with you. So uh, what does this mean that, uh, first of all, do you agree that the 300-bed benchmark is it will be surpassed no matter what in 10 days? Yes, I, I certainly do, and I think the modeling team has done a great job. We're seeing um, higher and higher numbers each day requiring hospitalization, and a subset of those then require ICU. So I think that that is, is uh, a given now. How many people do you have in your ICU now? Currently in the ICU at University Health Network, we have approximately 25 patients which is lower than the number in wave one, thank goodness, but we've been the centre that has seen a lot of referrals in when other centres are struggling. And uh, partly due to some of the unique technologies we offer, uh, we also can see sort of that ring around Toronto, Mississauga, Brampton, North Toronto, Scarborough, where the numbers really are escalating and a number of us are taking transfers in order to allow those hospitals to continue to function. Well, that's what I heard from uh, people in, in Mississauga and elsewhere, that they were their hospitals were filling up because they were taking transfers. They are, for sure. So um, many of us have taken a large number of patients. I think over 75 patients have been transferred from those hospitals across the GTA. And we're mindful that that's stressful for families, families who rely on their local hospital and have relationships there, but are required to move to a different site because of the over-demand that's required, not only for COVID patients, but for every patient who needs a hospital stay. This is a a threat and a challenge. And uh, have you had to cancel any elective procedures? In wave one, we canceled approximately 3,500 elective procedures, and we've been working hard to catch up. Our surgery uh, colleagues and and procedural colleagues have been operating at about 106%. As of today, we've gone into what we would call our normal seasonal decline in terms of going lower in scheduled activity. We do this every year. This year, in part because our team is so stressed. They've been working so hard for so long, and I think that's another component of this that people need to really appreciate. The, the ability of healthcare workers is finite. They are stretched to the very limit, and we don't have a bunch more of them hanging around out there that we can call in. People have given it their all, and if we uh, don't soon see this go in the right direction, we put at great risk the, not only the, um, 
the system, but the individuals who provide care in that system. I want to get into that a little bit more because, you know, we all really appreciate the work that healthcare workers are doing and and, uh, the stress and the long hours and the worry about bringing something home to their families, uh, I, I gather that generally healthcare workers are, are not always the first ones who will look for help. Yeah, we're, we're not great at that. So we know that in healthcare, um, many individuals who probably should indicate their need for help, it's not part of the training, it's not part of the psyche. Hopefully, we're changing that with modern educational programs and more attention to mental health and addiction issues. But it is, uh, it is a, they are disciplines where people tend to do what's needed for their patients, regardless of the impact on themselves. And increasingly, we're having to say to some of our staff, it's time for you to go home. I know in long-term care during wave one, we had some staff who literally almost lived in because of the number of staff who couldn't make it in who might have been ill or were unable to get there. So this is a very, very significant concern. And obviously, we can't care for more and more patients if our own staff are ill. And, you know, the other piece of this is they are not immune from the disease, whether they're out in the community for community-acquired disease or through some exposure at the hospital. So they're among the most high-risk groups, and I hope all of the public will appreciate Without healthcare workers, without physicians and nurses and porters and, and food service workers, hospital work doesn't happen. Uh, what What is your rate of infection and, and uh, how many were you able to vaccinate so far? Um, so at the moment, uh, we our rate of infection is really measured through the public health unit, internal to our audience, internal to our uh, staff. We've had a slightly below the average rate of infection which I think is fantastic. Wow. It really does Amazing. signal that it, it totally signals that people are following the rules inside hospitals and taking good heed of our infection prevention and control colleagues. And then, as you know, with the kind of numbers that are going up in, in the GTA each day, approximately 3% per week, it continues to be very, very worrisome. And if it continued without uh, interruption hospitals would undoubtedly be overwhelmed towards the end of January and all scheduled activity would be put at risk. In addition to that, I think even some emergent activity could be put at risk. So uh, what I'm gathering from this is that you're hoping to give some of your people a little bit of a break. It would be great if we were able to do that. And we planned on that by our regular um, downturn for um, our surgical and procedural activity. Unfortunately, with these kinds of numbers, we're requiring more and more staff to be available. So we're um, asking many people who feel able and willing and well enough to continue to to work through the holiday season, which we wish we weren't in a position to do, but we simply don't have other providers out there in the community that we can draw upon. And we're also very mindful of the importance of ensuring adequate staffing in the area where we've seen our greatest mortality, long-term care. Uh, I want to get to that in a minute, but before that, what about cancer treatment? So far, thank goodness, we've been able to maintain our radiation treatment at Princess Margaret and our chemotherapy and across our surgical programs at all of our sites, which are very cancer-focused, activity going well. 
Um, obviously, there, there is risk when one thinks about um, this disease and immunocompromised cancer patients. But to date, we've worked really hard to not allow that to fall back. What is worrisome, Libby, is we're down by about 30%, 3-0 in referrals. Yeah. And you and I know 30% of cancer didn't evaporate, didn't go away, but they are not able to get into screening programs. They may not be able to get in to see their primary care doctor. And in many of these cancer situations, it's the latency in your treatment plan that affects whether or not your outcome will be successful or unsuccessful. So we're very concerned about that screening uh, process and about getting more people who have concerning symptoms to be seen. And I I really feel as in, in the new year, we're going to have to come up with a strategy around Ontario and across Canada that ensures that those patients make it to the very front of the line very, very quickly, or we will see an increase in morbidity and mortality in cancers. Hope that doesn't happen. Uh, But long-term care, we've been talking about that throughout the show. When I saw the latest modeling that said long-term care deaths are going to increase no matter what, and there have already been 633, 100 in the last week, and I mean, our feeling is... You know, we knew this was coming, and we haven't done enough to prepare. Do you agree with that? You know what? I think everyone has been extremely well-intentioned. I've had the opportunity to play a role in the long-term care incident management system, so I can absolutely assure you people have been trying their very best to address all of the possible issues. The biggest challenge is training staff. So we didn't have an abundance of people. In wave one, we saw some environments where uh, 20% to 0% of people arrived at the home because either they had symptoms or they were frightened. And um, thankfully, when hospitals and other care providers collaborated with those care homes, we fairly quickly were able to bring a large number of staff back. But um, I know that this has been one of the most disappointing outcomes for us. We know congregate living is a risky place, not only long-term care, but retirement homes, shelters, other underhoused individuals. So um, every day I'm on a call talking about what more we could be doing for long-term care and how we stop it spreading in those areas. And it is daunting and uh, it really does come down to being able to decant some of those old homes, getting better environments built, which of course take a long time, And every day when we question where will we find more staff, the only way we're going to solve that one is with time to train people appropriately. Well, I mean, in the summer in Quebec, they instituted rapid training. They paid for the training and they increased the rates. And I mean, as an observer, I I don't understand why that was not done here. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to refer you to the Ministry of Long-Term Care to know exactly the numbers on this. But to my knowledge, um, a significant opportunity in terms of recruitment went out. There was a recruitment drive, and there is now something called a resident care aid that we, we've jumped into, University Health Network, working to attract people who might have been displaced from industries like um, the hospitality sector. And with a 10-week program and virtual learning through our Michener Institute, being able to graduate as a, as a PSW really quite quickly. So um, that, that is certainly underway. Uh, do I wish we'd started that a bit earlier? Absolutely, I do. Um, then in, in addition to that, I think we're also seeing just the burnout of long-term care staff as well. 
And, of course, the physical environments where we still see a number of three- and four-bedrooms. And this has been a discussion for many, many years about requiring us to improve the environment for long-term care and congregate living of seniors. I hope we don't let this one fade away as we hopefully conquer this vaccine. It needs to stay on the front burner, as I know you've tried to ensure that it will and and should. But um, clearly, we need a complete overhaul of our long-term care system. And frankly, I haven't heard a single person inside government, inside the sector, inside um, family and patient groups or resident groups. We're in absolute agreement. This has to be one of the most important things that comes out of this tragic tragic, uh, pandemic. And I think it will also require us to revisit the relationship between the three levels of government, municipal, provincial, and federal, as it comes to what is a comprehensive standard of care for all Canadians requiring long-term care. Uh, Absolutely. Um, We're uh, basically out of time, Dr. Smith. What would you like to leave us with? Well, I'd like to thank you for ensuring that your listeners get more and more information. I'd uh, encourage people, please follow the rules. Uh, We know how to break the back of this virus, and it's actually not that complicated, although it's difficult as humans to, to be socially isolated. Please wear your mask. Please socially distance. Please stay away from those that you don't reside with. And please follow the rules. And as soon as you're able and the vaccine supply becomes available, I hope you, like I, will have confidence in the science behind the vaccine, get vaccinated, and bring this to an end. Dr. Kevin Smith, first of all, please, I hope you let your people know how much we appreciate the work of long-term care workers. And thank you so much for being with us and Merry Christmas. The very same to you. And, and the best way your listeners can show tribute to those healthcare heroes, follow the rules. Thanks, Libby. Okay, thank you. And that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.